3: Order. This meeting was agendized for today, for 9 a.m., Wednesday, October 29, 2008. Uh, we are here to conduct a hearing on 15 cases that will appear before us. In order to uh, proceed in an orderly fashion, I have uh, taken the opportunity to limit uh, presentations on both sides to 10 minutes. Uh, that would be 10 minutes for the offender <coughs> excuse me, and the public defenders <coughs> or private attorneys, plus 10 minutes for a district attorney or the uh, Department of Corrections, uh, with also uh, victims' uh, testimony in opposition if they are here, and limit the Board of Pardons to 10 minutes uh, for questionings uh, in that matter before a decision would be made. We'd also offer, at that point, Uh, any testimony of those individuals wishing to testify uh, on the matter as well before any decision is made. We do, as I say, have a full agenda for today and this board uh, will consider a a number of cases whether it is the commuting of sentences, granting pardons, or restoring any civil rights uh, of the applicants listed on this agenda. We have a number of cases that have Asked to be taken out of order uh, in order to uh, meet and facilitate uh, the schedules of some of the attorneys that are involved in, in these matters, and we will do our very best to uh, accommodate those wishes. Uh, at this point in time, uh, I would ask that the Secretary, Mr. Secretary, please take the role of the Board.
4: Justice Seda?
5: Present.
6: Justice
4: Cherry? Present. Justice Douglas? <coughs> Justice Bargeri? Present. Justice Hardesty? Present. Justice Maupin? Chief Justice Gibbons? Here. Attorney General Masto? Present. Governor Gibbons?
3: Present. Uh, The first uh, matter that we will uh, take uh, before this is uh, Mr. Thomas Brand, uh, Inmate 44732. If... uh, Mr. Brand, represented uh, by the public defender
7: uh, yes, in Your this Honor. matter,
2: Lori Tyker, the federal public defender, Mr. Brand.
3: For purposes of the record, uh, Mr. Brand is present. His request before the board is that all sentences uh, be run concurrent and given a parole eligibility date of October 18, 2009 on convictions of robbery counts one, three, and four, uh, attempted robbery count two, uh, use of a deadly weapon enhancement uh, counts one, two, three, and four. Is that correct, Ms. Tiger? Yes. Uh, You may proceed.
2: Thank you. Good morning, Governor Gibbons Justices and Attorney General Cortez Mastos. My name is Lori Tiker, and I'm here today representing Mr. Tom Brand who is sitting beside me. The relief that we are asking for is that his multiple consecutive sentences be commuted to run concurrent with his current sentence which has a parole eligibility date of October 18th, 09 as well as another sentence that has an expiration date. That he's also serving at the same time. He's been paroled on one robbery. He's on the next one, and that has a date of October 31st, 2015. Mr. Brown was 25 years 25 years old at the time of his offense, and now he is almost 40 years old. At the time of these offenses, Mr. Brown was severely addicted to methamphetamine, and all the offenses committed were done so to get money to buy more drugs. Uh, I recognize that this is a court of mercy and I thank you for this opportunity at this time. Uh, Mr. Brand, and I've spoken with him extensively throughout the years that I have represented him and each and every time that I've met with him, he's said to me that he's eternally grateful that no one was ever injured during the course of any of the offenses that he committed. Mr. Brand's health is not good. Uh, He has hepatitis C, he has chronic lower back pain and a spinal injury and walks with a cane. Now he can't work in prison industries due to his medical condition, and some days he can walk better than others, some days he has difficulties getting around. Uh, Throughout his incarceration, Mr. Brand has received his GED. In addition to that, he received his high school diploma while in prison, and he's taken numerous self-improvement programs, which are laid out for you in the NDOC uh, summary. Regarding Mr. Brand, he's taken college courses when he's been able to afford them, and he set up a nonprofit organization to assist victims of domestic abuse because he felt so bad for the offenses that he had committed. Uh, in taking a look at the NDOC evaluation, I'd like to bring to your attention a lot of the strengths that are laid out in Section 1. First of all, on page 2, all of his jobs in education. Every time he moved somewhere, he either got a job when he was able to do so he's he can't do that now and or he participated in programming or schooling uh, page three lays out all of his training and certificates and we've included all of those within the packet that you have I'd ask that you also realize when you're dealing with offenders that have what essentially uh, equals a life sentence where if you add up all of mr. Brown's offenses he's been sentenced to a total of 135 years The way that programming and enrollment courses at the prison works is that those individuals that are going to be paroled earlier are given first opportunity to take these classes. That makes sense in that you want to prepare the people that are going to be hitting the streets to be able to deal with hitting the streets and give them the opportunities. What happens though is that the people that are serving life offenses or what equal to be life offenses are not allowed those opportunities. Because, sim- quite simply, there aren't enough programs and the classes are full. So, what Mr. Brand has done throughout the past 14 years is every time there was a course that he hadn't taken or he wanted to take, he would wait until the first day because he wouldn't get on the list and he would see if somebody dropped out. He would hang around that classroom and say, Did somebody drop out? Is there a spot? Is there a spot? That's how Mr. Brand was able to complete this coursework because, quite frankly, a lot of it is not given to offenders that have. What amounts to be life sentences. It's not as easy as rolling in a course at UNR and simply going there and taking it. In terms of his institutional adjustment, if you take a look at a look at page four, they NDOC has pointed out that his institutional adjustment is viewed as positive. They state that his disciplinaries are minor and generals in nature and they quote disciplinary history for the past 10 years is not significant or reflective of an individual that has trouble with rules or regulations that's saying something for NDOC to have said that on his behalf but particularly what I would point out and I'd like to quote because I think that this may be viewed as unique to Mr. Brown today throughout this hearing and I think it's extraordinarily important in terms of how far he's come over the last 14 years (laughs) NDOC has said to him on the bottom of page 4, the most positive strengths represented by Mr. Brand are his work toward victim empathy and awareness of his drug addiction. His ability to empathize actually feel what the victims and or their families may have felt rather than just sympathize is significantly different than what might be seen with the average inmate. He has indicated that he used methamphetamines when they first came out and that he became severely addicted he claims that his addiction was what drove him to commit these offenses so he could obtain money to buy drugs. He was on a meth binge that lasted two days and culminated with his arrest and resulted in him serving four terms of 15 plus 15 in 135 years, which is what Judge Kosach sentenced him to. He has taken as many programs as possible in the correctional setting for drug and alcohol rehabilitation. He would like to take the opportunity to teach others of the danger of methamphetamines if he were given the opportunity for parole. This is coming from the Department of Corrections, who has viewed and supervised Mr. Brown for close to, four to 15 years. The practical effects of the relief that he would get is that his parole eligibility would be October 18th, 2009, if all of his sentences were run concurrent. I'd like to introduce uh, Tom's family they're here, and I'd ask for them to, speak, to stand. Uh, I have given to all of you two letters that they've submitted on his behalf. His Aunt Manya and his Aunt um, Trish is here, are here today on his behalf. And I believe that Aunt manya 's letter spells out very clearly Tom's life. And again, his aunt's not trying to minimize, and Tom and myself are not trying to minimize the seriousness of the, the offenses that he committed. However, Tom's life wasn't an easy one, and he's not here to make any excuses for it. It just lays out how Tom got to be here today. Tom's dad was a biker. Tom went to live with him when he was 15. His father shot up Tom, his own son, with heroin when he was 15 years old. His his father sold sold it in marijuana. And Tom's father also, also instilled upon him just about any other form of abuse that there was, physical, emotional. Meth was Tom's downfall he became extremely addicted to it when it first hit the streets particularly the second version the second version is what culminated in what happened and why he's before you today all he wanted was to steal money so that he could get high he t- simply couldn't deal with it I think that most of the justices on this board have seen the effects of methamphetamine on individuals and know and know what the effects of it I recall when I was a Clark County public defender when I represented clients that had come off of meth binges like this I would have to meet with them numerous times just so I felt like I was making some kind of a connection because their brain is just quite simply gone it's it's a horrible horrible drug one that Tom recognizes and has taken him years to figure out and understand and understand the depths of his addiction to it He has the support of his family and he's well situated to return to society as a productive citizen. He's much older now, he's almost 40, hopefully wiser, I think he is, based upon the number of years that I've uh, been representing him. And he's made positive choices while he's been incarcerated. Tom would like to get a job, he has an opportunity, he's been investigating things that he would be able to do with his uh, physical disabilities. He has places to live, he has strong, strong family support, his aunt, Manya, runs an insurance agency and is a United States Jiu Jitsu champion. I think she can keep him in line as well as with his parole officer. Um, He knows that he will need counseling and he knows that he'll he'll need help in adjusting to society as well as confront and continue to control his addiction. He wants to go to N.A. when he gets out, he wants a sponsor, he knows that he's going to need help. He has family help and he knows what other counseling help he needs to seek out. If there's no questions uh, from the board, I would turn it over to Tom for a couple of minutes and ask to reserve a couple of minutes to respond to the district attorney's presentation.
3: Ms. do you have one minute.
2: I'll reserve that.
3: Is there uh, anyone here to testify on behalf of the district attorney's office?
8: Thank you. <laughs> John Hilzer on behalf of Washington County District Attorney's Office. Thank you, uh, Governor Gibbons, uh, Attorney General Mastro, and the members of the <clears throat> Supreme Court. Uh, we are opposed to this uh, request by, by this defendant. And we, we heard, you know, some reference to the, to the conduct and, and what really needs, and I'll be fairly brief as to the, the multiple robberies, but they were small businesses, you know, floor shops, uh, animus store, you know, some of these just small mom and pop businesses. Except for one. One was the Washoe County Children or Retarded Children's Center, which uh, had a 77 year old woman who was working that day when the defendant came in and robbed her. Now, I thought what was, in, what was interesting is I looked at the pre-sentence investigation uh, from long ago, and what they said was we're giving him this recommendation we want to put him away for a long time in hopes that when he comes out by virtue of his age he will no longer constitute a threat to society that was the plan then the problem with the plan is he is still a threat to society and you have to look no farther than the psychological evaluation which makes it so clear mr brandt is a high risk for overall reoffense due to his antisocial personality disorder, which was marked by criminal conduct and lack of ability, lack of ability to feel remorse. His risk to offend could be minimized by structure environment, community supervision, and substance abuse treatment. In addition, his risk for violent reoffense is high due to his psychopathic traits, and he is not likely to be deterred by punishment. He will reoffend, he will be violent, and he should not be given that opportunity. We ask that you deny his request.
3: Thank you. Are there any victims uh, present in the audience wishing to testify in opposition to the motion or the request? Seeing none, are there any questions by members of the board?
9: I had one question, Governor. Uh, uh, Ms. Tyker, you mentioned that Mr. Brand had uh, hepatitis C. I see in the reports that he had a, in prison he had possession of a tattoo needle I- illegally. Is that where he got the hepatitis from? Uh-huh.
2: No, no, Your Honor. Um, Mr. Brand had hepatitis C, and he realized that when he was brought into the prison, more than likely he, had, he obtained that through intravenous drug use. Um, in response to the tattooing, um, needle. Mr. Brand, we spoke extensively extensively about this, he does not tattoo. Um, he had the needle for uh, doing a hobby craft, which is taking a hard cup and um, cutting out pictures um, and then rubbing soot, and soot within that. Um, he did that. That was the extent of it. Um, he we jokingly said that he said to me that he would he wished he was able to have the skill of tattooing because he knows that if he were released on parole, he could make a whole lot of money doing that. But he, he can't do that. Um, and I believe that if you look at what else was found in his cell at the time, there was soot in there and that's what he's indicated to me that he was using that needle for not tattooing in addition um, the prison found no evidence of new tattoos or anything else upon Mr. Brand nor he has he had any for the the last 15 years Um, if I could briefly uh, address the antisocial personality disorder diagnosis um, I believe that a number of you have been before this been on this board previously and this is a very common I don't know, diagnosis that's been given. It, it's a little bit tough for us because we get these so late, we're not a- able to have our own psychiatrists be able to get up and interview our clients and do run their own tests and their own diagnoses. But what I would note that I don't believe that the psychiatric evaluation is so clear, especially when you take a look at the NDOC recommendation where you have someone who's been looking at Mr. Brand and evaluating him for 14 years and has said that his victim empathy is far beyond what they see in other people, where you have a psychiatrist who meets with him for less than an hour and says that he has absolutely none. I, I don't quite get that, especially when I myself have seen evidence of the level of victim empathy that he has. In addition, in speaking with a psychiatrist that we do have, antisocial personality disorder can be viewed as a sociological and not a psychological diagnosis. And quite frankly, if you look at the criteria in the DSM-IV, uh, it basically tells you that he's committed crimes. And studies have been done that show uh, by patrick and mallory that that showed that eight out of ten inmates that are incarcerated at all are diagnosed at having antisocial personality disorder because two of the factors within it are have you broken the rules yes you've broken the rules because you've been committed of offenses (coughs) and so i would ask that you um take that diagnosis with that into consideration and it it also lacks just so much specific specific, uh, specificity In terms of it being a diagnosis. Um, With that, if I have any few seconds, I'd ask that Mr. Brown be allowed to say something to the board, recognizing that he's extraordinarily nervous.
3: Ms. Tykert, we're still in that period of time giving uh, opportunity for the board to ask questions, uh, at which point I will give you the one minute remaining uh, when we have completed this questioning period. Thank you. Are there any other questions from the members of the board?
6: I have just a few. Mr. Brand, um, it seems to me that uh, based on what I'm reading in here that a lot of this behavior apparently has occurred because you're addicted to methamphetamine. Is that correct? Yes. You never received treatment for your methamphetamine abuse? Yes. You did receive treatment or did not?
4: Not while I was out. Since I've been in, I've uh, enrolled in every NA class that they've offered that I've been able to get on the list for.
6: Okay. And uh, your grandfather resides where?
4: Uh, In Sparks.
6: Okay. And your other relatives that are here, where do they reside?
4: Uh, Reno.
6: And what is the Thomas Foundation?
4: Uh, It was a a non-profit organization I founded while I was in prison to help victims of domestic abuse to make people aware that uh, the problem exists within uh, the structure that people trust. It's not like a stranger is going to commit the abuse. It's somebody that you usually trust. Just statistics.
6: Okay.
3: I have one question with the Department of Corrections, if I may. Uh, Mr. Skolnick, you've brought with you, I believe, Mr. Reed. Uh, Would he be able to give us, as a board, an indication of the evaluation of the uh, antisocial personality dis- disorders of uh, Mr. Brand at
0: this time. Uh, Governor Howard's calling for the record. We have the two uh, staff members who administered the tests present, and I think they'd be better suited. Uh, Dr. Loftus.
3: Please identify yourself for the record.
7: Loftis, L-O-F-T-I-S.
1: Mary Harrison, H-A-R-R-I-S-O-N.
3: And your position within the Department of Corrections for each of you?
7: That's correct, Governor. I'm a Psychologist for, for the Department of Corrections. I'm the Senior Supervising Psychologist in the North. Mary Harrison is a Psychologist too. We both received extensive uh, training and risk assessment, particularly on the hair psychopathy checklist and um, other instruments, static and dynamic risk variables.
3: My question is this, have you reviewed uh, the uh, risk assessment or the, not the risk assessment, (laughs) but the mental health findings of Mr. uh, Brand uh, as it pertains to this matter? And your evaluation is?
7: Um, Mr. Brand does qualify for a diagnosis of antisocial personality disorder, um, which means that he would have qualified for, and did qualify for, a diagnosis of conduct disorder prior to the age of 15. Um, The earmarks of conduct disorder are um, property violations, um, violent crimes. Crimes against persons property and um, animals and he certainly had all of those uh, behaviors going on prior to age 15 when he was in fights Um, a lot of juvenile delinquency use of drugs and the antisocial personality disorder is the hallmark is the violation of of rights of others and the inability to feel remorse and I, I understand that there are here people who are in support of mr. brand but um, being as we're from the Department of Corrections our highest um, standard would be the the um, protection of the community so it is true that I am somewhat biased in favor of protection of the community as I see that as one of the missions of the Department of Corrections Um, We met with Mr. Brand quite extensively, not just one hour, and we were able to develop some collateral information, which allows us to um, do the hair psychopathy checklist, which is considered to be the foremost and best predictor of recidivism and, excuse me, violent uh, recidivism.
3: Ms. Harrison
7: did some other um, review of collateral resources that she could speak to.
3: Well, before Ms. Harrison, you you speak, let me ask, uh, do you feel that uh, there is a treatment available for Mr. Brand that would change this pattern of antisocial behavior?
7: No, I'm sorry, sir. There is no recognized treatment for antisocial personality disorder.
3: Ms. Harrison, do you have any comment?
7: I don't have anything to add,
1: sir.
3: Very well. Are there any other questions of members of the board?
1: Yes, Governor?
5: Yes. Um, first, I appreciate the opportunity that you have provided for us to, to speak to these individuals. Um, it's going to be important to me in my assessment of the remainder of the individuals who will appear here before us this morning. So, my question is this Given the fact, as has been pointed out, that and forgive me for my lack of knowledge of your terms, but the various instruments that you use, the various tests that you administer in order to make your diagnoses, don't they begin with a default that someone in Mr. Brand's position could almost never overcome in as much as, this is an individual whose history indicates um, a father who I believe not only was but is still incarcerated, at least our record tells us that father is incarcerated, Um, He has a juvenile record um, and obviously committed um, some crimes that that are very, very serious crimes. But my question is, given that foundation and the nature of the tools that you use to make the assessment here today, can someone in this position ever not come out of your testing process without this diagnosis?
7: Given that his uh, delinquent behavior started early, his um, criminal behavior um, occurred throughout his lifespan and showed no sign of slowing down. Um, these are the hallmarks of the antisocial personality disorder that I talk about. I, I am aware that he had a terrible, abusive, chaotic childhood. And unfortunately for um, Mr. Brand, that makes it very difficult for him to form deep emotional attachments because that critical attachment period was so chaotic for him. So that doesn't bode well for for his future performance. So the answer is almost. Almost.
5: Never will they not default to this diagnosis.
1: I'd like to add to that, if I may. We take a look at protective factors that when someone has a diagnosis, such as antisocial personality disorder, there are protective factors Uh, in the environment that can assist them, such as a a strong structured release plan, a discharge plan, uh, supervision, community supervision. So there are things involved in the environment where a person can be um, safe in the community with protective factors involved. Continued counseling.
5: How does that affect your diagnosis? He, the, the diagnosis is made based upon past behavior, and yet given that diagnosis, they never have an opportunity to be placed into the community to access those support systems.
1: I think that our uh, recommendations supported the protective <coughs> factors, that even though they have that diagnosis, they, there are protective factors in the community that can be in place for them. I think you'll find that in the last paragraph.
3: Are there any other questions? Justice Hardesty.
0: Yes, uh, we have um, been down this road in previous pardons courts, I think, before. Um, On page four of the material provided to us by the prison, uh, the application progress report dated in October 2008. Do you all have that?
7: Um, I've, I've reviewed that, I don't have that with me. I just have okay. with me our report and then the two items that were um, available for us.
0: This report was prepared by, uh, it's signed by Brooks and Endel. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and in it, uh, it indicates that uh, one of the strengths represented by Mr. Brand is his work toward victim empathy and an awareness of his drug addiction. Um, his ability to empathize and feel for the victims and their families uh, uh, is significantly different than what is seen in average inmate conduct. Those assessments or those observations, I guess, seem to be uh, quite a bit different than the lack of ability to feel remorse, which is a component of the antisocial personality disorder.
7: Mm-hmm. Diagnosis. Right,
0: Could you comment on that difference?
7: I don't know how long That's the, the um, caseworker or warden took in uh, formulating that assessment, um, but the assessment that was made uh, for the psychological review um, was many hours of of asking him about how he felt about his life, his functioning. Um, the, the impact of his crimes on the victims, the impact of the crimes on on his life, and we saw a great number of inconsistencies in that what he had to say and our most recent reports of his institutional conduct uh, than what you what you have before you.
0: <clears throat> uh, the um, other area I'd like you to comment. Uh, and it's pertinent to other cases. We have, I think, there are at least three other cases today, maybe more, where um, public defenders have provided us with an article uh, regarding the anti-personality disorder uh, diagnostic uh, or diagnosis. Uh, an article written by Dr. Cunningham and Reedy. I assume you're familiar with that.
7: Mm-hmm. Uh, would you? The problem we comment? have with the antisocial personality disorder is it's almost entirely behavioral, and that's and that's what what a lot of you are seeing, is we're we're measuring a lot of, of behaviors. Um, it has the greatest inter-rater reliability. That is to say, that, that most um, psychologists would agree on on that. However, um, it is entirely um, made up except for the lax remorse part on on behaviors. That's why um, Ms. Harrison and I do this hair psychopathy checklist, which um, takes into consideration a number of psychological factors, including his um, effective responsivity um, and his interpersonal relationships, as well as his criminal behaviors. So uh, as a diagnosis, I agree there's, there's some real problems with that, but because it measures behavior, most people can um, um, agree on that, but I think the construct of psychopathy is much more um, helpful in, in these cases because we're looking at um, interpersonal attachments, um, whether there was any bonding going on in the home. Um, was he able to develop frustration tolerance, um, ability to manage his own um, affect, feelings?
0: Well, all of that may be true uh, earlier, but it doesn't seem to take into account any changes that occur during the prison setting.
7: Actually, um, the hair uh, psychopathy checklist is to be measured across the lifespan. And, um, There are a lot of things that Mr. Brand didn't do because he was incarcerated. Um, I'm aware that he continued some of his um, difficulty in dealing with authority while he was in prison and very recently was caught with a whole bunch of oranges with the thought that he was going to make some um, alcoholic beverage out of them, very recently.
0: Okay, thank you.
3: Thank you very much. Thank you, Governor. This we'll is- now give uh, the final one minute uh, to Ms. Tiger for a summation on her side.
2: Thank you, Governor. Briefly, I believe that um- the members of the board are well aware of the difficulty in the diagnosis with antisocial personality disorder and uh, you've all asked excellent questions regarding that um, two issues that i that i two things that i take issue with is that his inability to form deep attachments emotional detachments we have his aunts that been behind him and he does have that support he has a lot of support that he would have when when he if when and if he were to be released and i believe that a very strong structured release plan and with protective factors may be fashioned for him in terms of the lack of empathy again i i, I must disagree with the psycholo- the psychiatrists and the psychologists here in that we have ndoc giving a recommendation and they've been watching him for 14 years and state that Mr. Brand's ability to re- empathize is far beyond that of most other inmates that they're dealing with. And please keep in mind that these caseworkers are caseworkers from Ely. Um, is that mine?
3: If you will yes. Please wrap up your comments.
2: I would. I would. Um, Mr. Brand recognizes that he committed extremely serious offenses and that he owes a debt to society for having committed those assent- offenses. He's now spent 14 years in prison. He sincerely hopes that you will grant him the requested relief of running each count concurrently, and we appreciate the time and the effort of all all members of this board in reviewing the material and considering his request.
3: Thank you. Is there a motion? Uh
0: I have a question, uh, Governor, if I might, concerning the sentencing structure for staff. Um, I'm inclined personally to believe that uh, uh, the current request shouldn't be granted, but I think part of the problem is the inability of Mr. Bland and people like him to get to programming uh, within the prison system because of the length of their sentences, which would facilitate some of this. Uh, uh, of this programming. Um, Some of these sentences could be uh, considered to be run uh, concurrent, uh, but not all, which would uh, provide for additional time in prison, but shorten the time when he would be in and increase his eligibility for parole more years out. The board isn't constrained to just adopt this proposal. Uh, We could simply agree to uh, a uh, concurrent sentence on some of the counts. And allow uh, at least
4: one more to remain consecutive correct Mr. Smith. Uh, just as hard Hardesty, I think um, the board's authority is very very broad with regard to um, uh, how you can commute the sentences um, you couldn't commute them to be more punitive than they already are um, there was a case that um, was uh, seen a couple of years ago that I recall because of the um, number of sentences and the short period of time uh, the board commuted them uh, even though they were still consecutive they made them immediately eligible on all of them in this way if the person uh, violated on uh, parole and came back to prison they would still be served they would fall into the consecutive status still eligible but um, your discretion with how you if you wanted to change the sentence structure is very very broad
0: Mm -hmm. Um, under the current sentence that he's serving uh, when would he be eligible? Uh,
4: He's currently, uh, according to this document, he's currently eligible in July 2009, but he does have...
0: uh, I'm trying to figure out the next sentence Mm -hmm. that he's... uh, Yeah, he has seven
4: consecutive sentences of, uh, running from 15 years or or seven and a half years, and uh, I believe he's under one-third law, so he would become eligible at about three to four years um, on those 15-year sentences. hmm So he would have a, 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 the way the sentence structure is now, it would probably be another 15 to 20 years before he could actually be released to the street. If they were all remain in place. Correct.
0: But, for example, if five of the seven or six of the seven sentences remaining, five of the seven sentences remaining,
4: were run concurrent, that he'd be eligible in about five years? Uh, Depending on the start date of the the sentence. Uh, If they were run concurrent, uh, retroactive with the active sentence, and just for clarification, the current active sentence would expire in 2015. Uh, He's eligible for parole in 2009 on that sentence. But if they were all run concurrent with that, with the same effective start date, uh, he would be eligible um, sometime next year uh, and then uh, if they were run concurrent effective by the start date today, then his time, he would have to serve the minimum eligibility on that 15-year sentence um, from today's point. Well, Governor, the
0: reason I ask these questions is it um, seems to me the board has to uh, address a couple of issues. Uh, if we take the position that uh, all uh, inmates who have received an antisocial uh, disorder um, diagnosis and therefore are simply uh, a complete high risk in all circumstances and can't respond to uh, any form of um, treatment even while in prison, uh, then there really isn't any point in considering pardons for any such persons. I'm not sure that uh, that's supported either by the facts or some of the uh, literature that we received. I don't dispute uh, the psychologist's diagnosis. Uh, But on the other hand, uh, there are some differences in the facts that exist in this case and some other cases. And more importantly, um, given the restraint that exists within the prison's uh, financial capabilities of providing some of these resources to inmates who are on such long sentences, there really is much of an opportunity for them to try to get treatment that would allow them to qualify for any kind of relief of this type. so it seems to me uh, that if the board's view is Mr. Brand should spend the rest of his life in prison, then that's, that's really the effect of this decision. If you're going to afford to him the opportunity to try to obtain treatment, prove that he can uh, do something different by getting access to some of these treatment programs, uh, then it seems to me you make some modification in the sentence structure. I wouldn't be prepared to let him out now but I'd at least be willing to consider some modification in the sentence structure. When you look at the underlying crimes, Mr. Helzer's is correct. You know, there were a number of robberies, but they're all within the course of about a five or seven day period of time. Uh, It was a binge uh, in response to a methamphetamine usage. Um, None of the victims have opposed this request. I don't dispute that uh, we should protect uh, society from people like Mr. Blynn, but at the same time there needs to be some balance uh, in this system. And here the sentence structure is such that uh, this is essentially a life sentence without the possibility of parole. So I'm interested in knowing whether any of the other board members uh, uh, want to afford to someone who has attempted institutionally to improve his condition maybe not ready for relief yet, but uh, by uh, changing the sentence structure would give him an opportunity to take additional uh, courses and uh, maybe make further progress toward his treatment.
3: Well, Justice Hardesty, let me say that the board uh, has a unique (coughs) and, (coughs) excuse me, a (coughs) a very unique ability here to take whatever action it deems necessary either to Amend uh, the sentence, uh, whatever action we determine uh, is necessary. I believe also that uh, the antisocial uh, evaluation is uh, but a weighted factor uh, that we will consider, not a uh, prohibitive uh, step in in deciding whether Mr. Brand or any other should be released. Uh, but I think that great broad authority of this board to take whatever action. It feels necessary, uh, can accommodate uh, your suggestions, if that is the will of the Board. You
9: know, Governor, I think that uh, Justice Hardersey makes a good point. Uh, with this time period, you know, I look back at this and, you know, being all of us members of the Supreme Court used to be district judges. Uh, Cases like this, unfortunately, I get a lot of them in Clark County. And I I probably would have run counts one and two consecutive with the enhancement, the other counts three and four concurrent. Uh, I think that's something what Justice Hardesty might be alluding to based on the sh- uh, compressed time period when it happened. And this board has the opportunity to modify the, that sentence, you know, if the board feels to do it. But uh, I would probably support uh, Justice Hardesty's uh, motion if he intends to make it to do something like that.
0: Mm-hmm. I guess I have concerns as well as I look through the uh, criminal history. As Justice Cuban said, we were all district court judges. Something that you also take into account is the prior criminal history. And as I look here, there's 22 prior arrests. Uh, his, uh, He seemed to be a criminal career. He was on a path, and until he was uh, placed in this situation, um, he committed nothing but crimes. He was jailed seven times. He was. Uh, in prison twice, so I do have concerns. Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, I totally agree with you, Mr. I think that uh, this is an individual whose uh, life didn't begin well, and it uh, created, and it's not surprising that it ended in this particular, his life didn't end, but it, this screen <coughs> uh, resulted. But um, I guess the question then is, uh, are any of these people ever salvageable, or do you just leave them in prison for the rest of their lives? Um, And it does appear since he's been in prison for 14 years, some effort has been made by this individual to improve his uh, condition and improve his life. Um, I don't support letting him out now or making him parole eligible. I think he should do additional time, but I think maybe there is an opportunity for light at the end of the tunnel if uh, he, he can demonstrate improvement and further progress in prison. Um, I guess the question is, uh, do we just throw away the key on Mr. Brand now? Um, it does appear he's made some progress in the last 14 years um, with, uh, with what he's been doing. Uh, that would be uh, my thought. My, my question is is if we
3: uh, deny this uh, outright, uh, is he eligible to come back with a, uh, and ask for another commutation uh, next year?
4: Sir, Two I, years. Think, I think that uh, if you decided to deny it, uh, you could certainly um, provide instructions for when uh, the board should reconsider this case, if, if that's your desire.
9: You know, Mr. Smith, I appreciate that, but, you know, I, I think the, you know we get hundreds of applications to members of the pardons board and, and uh, uh, the governor's, I know, set a time we to try and do our best to give everybody a fair hearing today, and we've got a long agenda. So I don't know if it's fair to get the same people over and over again. I, might, I would prefer to act on uh, people that are here today one way or the other so they know where they stand and, and move on and give other people opportunities in the future. But that's just my own opinion.
3: Are there any other comments? Uh, what is the uh, motion or the feeling of the board
0: uh, on this uh, request? Well, um, I'd want him to serve at least one of the other consecutive sentences before he's eligible. Uh, so I'd take uh, those after that and propose that they run concurrent.
4: Uh, Justice as Hardesty, as for clarification, um, the. Uh, on the page following the director's um, mm-hmm. evaluation, it says uh, inmate sentence structure. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the sentence um, that is mainly in the middle, just after parole, uh, that says parole, uh, it's uh, listed as count one as case 942923. Mm-hmm. All of the cases subsequent to that are consecutive to it and to each other. So, for clarification, is your motion to run all of those sentences concurrent, but remain consecutive to the current active sentence.
0: Right. Which means that he would become uh, uh, parole eligible, if I read this correctly, in um, uh,
4: 2015? Um, Justice Hardesty, he would be parole eligible on the current sentence next year uh, if he's paroled, uh, at whatever point he is paroled, he would have to attain minimum parole eligibility on the consecutive sentence. Um, if he's not paroled, he could be denied up to 2015, at what point he would then roll over and begin serving the consecutive uh, okay. sentence. That's that, I want him to serve that next sentence, so I'm talking about the next six. Okay. The, the next sentence, uh, there's no estimated expiration date until right. it, it becomes active. So. Mm-hmm. But he would be eligible next year to the consecutive sentence, when paroled, I think he's got about a three-year, three-and-a-half-year minimum. So that puts him
0: out uh, to about uh, 2012 to 2015
4: before he's eligible? Um, sometime around that time frame, yes, sir. OK. That'd be my motion,
6: Governor.
5: A clarification?
0: So the sent- just so we're clear, uh, the sentences in um, on on the page you're on Mr. Smith yes sir that next sentence of 942923 that would still remain consecutive
4: yes sir if uh, and that is
0: a 15 year sentence correct so, uh, so it's only those sentences thereafter that would become uh, concurrent
4: uh, with the first consecutive 15 year sentence so all of those that are showing as pending now would be concurrent to each other consecutive to the current active sentence. That's right.
5: Okay. Clarification question, does that then translate to, and I know not specifically it won't because of the, the prior sentence, that I think that he's already rolled on technically, <laughs> but does this motion then effectuate the same thing that a sentencing judge would have had the opportunity to sentence such as Imposing a statutorily firm sentence for the first act crime Running the others concurrent to that and then adding the equal and consecutive weapon enhancement Is that essentially what we're, we would be doing?
4: It would be very similar. He's currently on A robbery and he has a enhancement consecutive to it, right? So basically it would be very similar to what you're saying. Yes,
6: Thank you. thank you and then another question so if, if the board were to approve this motion what impact would it have on mr. brand getting the programming that he needs would he be would it bump him up to ahead of the list or are we still putting him in the same situation where he's not able to get the type of programming
0: uh, that'll depend on which institution he'll be housed in which will be a classification decision uh, his eligibility for lower security obviously would be enhanced by a shorter Sentencing structure.
3: All right, is that uh, the motion before the board at this time, Justice Hardesty? That's my motion. Yeah. I would
9: second Justice Hardesty's motion, Governor. Okay.
3: A motion uh, made by Justice Hardesty, seconded by Justice Gibbons. Any comments or questions with regard to the motion? Hearing none, uh, Mr. Uh, Secretary, please call
4: and roll. Justice Seda? Yes. Justice Cherry? No. Justice Paragary? Yes. Justice Hardesty? Yes. Chief Justice Gibbons? Yes. Attorney General Masto? Yes. Governor Gibbons?
3: Yes. Motion is carried. Yes, sir. Thank you.
2: Thank you very much.
3: Thank you. Let us now take uh, the next uh, individual who is asked to be taken out of order. Uh, that would be uh, Janine Hillman, inmate number
0: 25689. i that, <coughs> i think he's ready. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to make it clear okay. where I am on
10: this yeah. stuff. Yeah, doing Okay. Did you bring
11: your statement with you? No, I didn't okay. bring it. No, no, okay, that's okay. Don't worry
5: about it. No, you know, you
11: know. Well, I've got my head on right. You're okay. Can you sit? With her? Can Do you, you sit, here? sit here? Yeah, sit with no. her. You okay?
10: Yeah. You all right. <coughs>
11: <Get her some coughs> ANY Water?
5: Gosh, no, I'm fine.
3: Okay. We got <laughs> up Miss Hillman is here. Uh, Represented by the federal public defender, with a request that her consecutive life sentence without possibility of parole be run concurrent to her active murder sentence and that the sentence be commuted to life with parole, giving her immediate parole eligibility. Is that correct?
10: That's correct.
3: And please state your name.
10: Um, good morning. My name is Denise Johnson. I'm an attorney with the federal public defender's office. Also with me is Pamela Ramage. From our office and um, it's our pleasure to be here this morning to represent Janine Hillman. Ms. Hillman's case was uh, appointed to our office in 1997 and that's when uh, both myself and Ms. Ramage became familiar with Janine's case. Janine is very appreciative of the opportunity to present herself before you this morning. She's now 76 years old. She has uh, served uh, 21, a little over 21 calendar years in prison. After she was sentenced in 1988, um, she was transferred to Utah State Prison, uh, and I believe she served approximately 15 years of her sentence in Utah before she was transferred back to Nevada. Um, By all reports, Janine has been a a model inmate. Her institutional adjustment has been exceptional and remarkable. Um, given the time constraints, what I'm going to do is um, just try to present some of the highlights um, of her um, institutional record. Um, and these were provided to us, uh, We it's sort of an, a unique opportunity because in Utah, apparently, they uh, are allowed to make institutional recommendations uh, every year as she goes along. So we have documentation in here from 1988 up until the time she left Utah. While she was at Utah State Prison, she worked as a unit painter painting walls and murals. She also painted (coughs) artwork that was donated for fundraisers that raised money and food for the homeless. She made quilts that were auctioned and the funds from these quilts went to the Family Literacy Program in Utah that provided literacy and parenting programs for inmates and for their children. She also worked as a gardener where she supervised other inmates and her garden project um, that was worked in, uh, in conjunction with some uh, local organizations raised several tons of food um, for the homeless and for others that could not afford it. She also worked, um, well she took, uh, I guess her programs and certificates are listed in here so I won't go through those, but um, it was reported that most of the programs she took several times over and when she couldn't take any more programs she worked as a tutor. Um, she worked through um, the Salt Lake Community College where she tutored women growing herb gardens. She also donated, she was paid um, I believe $80 a month for this and she donated the majority of her salary to purchasing gardening supplies and also providing money to other inmates so that they could um, get, take college courses. Um, I, I spoke with, um, She's now retired, but she was captain at Utah State Prison for seven years Captain Atkinson. I spoke with her two weeks ago uh, and I believe she has three separate letters of recommendation that she has sent over the years on Janine's behalf where um, she highlights uh, some of the services that Janine performed for other inmates, for the community at large. She um, worked with the, um, uh, the LDS church while in at Utah State Prison and with the genealogy project. Um, Captain Atkinson notes that Janine served um, also, I believe, uh, it was noted in the chrono notes that were provided by the prison that she had uh, found an officer's badge and returned that to security. She also found facility keys. She returned those to the facility. The words that Captain Atkinson used to me when I spoke with her on the phone were truthful, respectful, hard worker, cooperative, well-behaved. Captain Atkinson also indicated to me that if Janine were granted a release that she would have no problem with Janine staying in her home and has as an alternate um, release plan if necessary, she would open her home to her. There are also letters in her packet from uh, Sergeant Puckett at Utah State Prison who indicated in his letter that he had never written a letter before on behalf of an inmate in his 12 years of law enforcement, but felt compelled to do so on Ms. Jeanine, uh, on Ms. Hillman's behalf, believing her to be a model inmate, an integral part of his management plan, and believing her to not be a threat to herself or to society. Similar letters are in the packet from Captain Rasmussen, Captain Lebounty, from the caseworker in Utah, Bonnie Hartley, and from a parole and probation officer, Wenda Stoker in, at Utah State Prison. Her behavior has continued. Um, When she was transferred back to Nevada, obviously her age and health issues have caused her work to decrease. Um, I spoke with her daughter, Jane Olsen, who also is offering her full support and um, offering her a place to live if necessary. I spoke with her brother, Alan Hillman, with whom she has indicated she would live. He has indicated his full support. He lives in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, and lives in a small cottage has lives in a small cottage behind his friend's home saying that she could live with him there uh, I'm going to briefly just mention her medical problems. She had heart problems uh, she has had a heart attack congestive heart failure suffered a stroke. She was hospitalized at Valley Hospital. believe That was in 2006 She suffers from Nears disease um, and then just arthritis arteriosclerosis degenerative disc disease and just the regular diseases, I believe, that go along with the aging process. Um, and If there are any questions, I will
3: Thank you, Ms. Johnson. Um, is there anybody from the District Attorney's Office who wishes to testify in opposition at this time? Department of Corrections? Are there any victims? sir would you please come forward
12: yes my name is dave galleron g-a-l-l-e-r-o-n i am a victim the uh person that uh Ms. Hillman murdered was my father. He was 71 years old. He was in good health. And he has a, a longevity. His family, he would still be alive today, barring any unforeseen circumstances. But this lady, she plotted to uh, buy his motorhome through two other people. And they, they plotted, uh, to, she took him out for dinner, and they plotted to do how they were going to do this. And they held him prisoner for uh, an entire day, hitting him with uh, stun guns and, and whatever, and beating him up. And she made many, many trips to the local bank, cashing several thousand dollars worth of uh, checks in, in order to uh, drain his account. And on top of this when I found out about that he was murdered or he was dead I went to his home and she showed up there again and she'd been there several times before I got there she had access to the house before anybody found out he was dead and she uh, went through all the files and uh, uh, changed all the things in the files in her name and she's uh, in the meantime, he's sitting in the, he's floating in the hot tub in this in his house, and uh, she's got the audacity to go back in there several times to uh, get into these files. And then she had the audacity to tell me that after after we found out he was dead, I still owed her money, and that uh, she wanted her money because she wanted to leave town because her mother was sick back. in, I think it was Florida or someplace. <coughs> And uh, I'm sorry if I, I'm uh, a little nervous, but I'm not a speaker. But I do not want this lady out of jail under any circumstances. And uh, if, uh, if, she, if she dies in jail, it, it would, wouldn't bother me one bit. Uh,
3: Mr. Galleron, you're accompanied by? This is my name.
11: sister. Mary. I'm Mary Galleron, OPL. And I agree with my brother, I think Mrs. Hellman is um, a vicious woman, she, um, oh I've lost my train of thought here, She's, she manipulated my father. She, she, um, my father was a con man and he was a, a street man and he sharp and, and he, was a, he could make a deal He never saw her coming and she groomed him for a year, stole money from him, tortured him for a day, was in and out of his house for three days while he was dead in the hot tub. Her life sentence is two life sentences with no possibility of parole. This is a decision. She's in this jail because of her own decision making. She decided to murder a man. No one held a stun gun to her to make her make this decision. She made this decision on her own. And when you make a decision to do something, you have to suffer the consequences that come along with that decision making, whether it's good or bad. She made a decision to murder a man. The consequences of that are that she's to sit the rest of her life in jail. And there shouldn't be any argument on, on, in any other direction. I think she should remain in jail for the rest of her life.
12: What this boiled down to, she had these two people. One of them has, has passed away. Uh, <clears throat> she took them out for dinner, like I said before. And she paid them. She was going to pay them $2,000 to murder my dad. And. Uh, like i say when after the uh had him a prisoner for an entire day out uh east of sparks um, the uh, young fellow uh, mr randy roy howard he stated at the time that he didn't want to kill this guy because he had grown to like him and she told valerie fuentes that she owed uh, Valerie owed her a hundred dollars. Then, if they weren't going to kill him, she owed her a hundred dollars to pay for the meal that she took him out for dinner. <clears throat> well, this is ridiculous. I mean, so actually, he was murdered for a lousy hundred dollars plus what she could con out of him uh, after after he was murdered. And uh, the, the uh, thing of it was. Uh, this was a cut and dry deal. It was an accidental death. ruled as an accidental death until my wife and I found out about it. And we kept going to the police department, bringing information about Mrs. Hillman, about what she was doing. And they didn't believe us. And after about three days, they finally got, started putting two and two together. And she wouldn't be where she's at if it wasn't for my wife and I, because uh, it was a cut and dry deal. It was an accidental death. But uh, she's she's a con woman, and she's a, I don't care what she's been doing in jail. She may be a, a saint in jail. That's where she's supposed to be, a saint in jail. That's fine with me. Uh, I don't want her out again. I don't want uh, her associates out again. And uh, if she stays there until she starts pushing daisies, I don't care.
3: Well, thank you very much, uh, Mr. Galleron, Ms. Galleron. Thank you very much. Are there uh, anybody else wishing to testify in opposition to this motion or any questions from the members of the board? Questions? Is there a motion um, by the board uh, on the request uh, that her consecutive life uh, sentence? Without parole, run concurrent to her active murder sentence, and that the sentence be commuted to life with parole, which would affect give her immediate parole eligibility.
10: Governor, I think she Ex- excuse me. Oh, I'm Governor. sorry.
3: Did you, Ms. Johnson? I'm yes, sorry. yes. If,
10: if we may respond just briefly, I own. didn't
3: res- realize you'd reserved your time. Uh,
10: you please. Go I ahead. apologize, Judge. I'm sorry, Governor. Uh, yeah. Sure.
3: Have these been shared with every member of the board? <laughs> no,
4: sir. Those are the only
3: items. <laughs> Ms. Johnson, please feel free to go ahead.
10: Yes. Um, truly, the circumstances of this case are are horrible, and. Um, Janine fully recognizes that, just for for informational purposes, the co-defendant Valerie Fuentes did die in prison in 1994. The other co-defendant, Randy Howard, is still incarcerated. He pled guilty and received a sentence of um, 10 to life. He has made four appearances before the parole board and received three-year dumps each time and I believe his next parole eligibility date is in 2009. Um, I would note that the Department of um, Corrections recommendation uh, supports her request uh, and that her sentence be commuted, to her two um, life without sentences be commuted, and also that the psych report did have a favorable um, evaluation stating that she was a low risk of recidivism. Um, Janine has asked that she go out to very briefly address the board. Do
7: you want to stand up?
11: we it's very difficult to stand in front of you and it's difficult to accept what Mr. Galleron has said. Of course there are differences in everyone's story and what really happens and, but I take full responsibility for mine. I apologize to the Galleron family, the state of Nevada, my family, uh, everyone. I would never offend again, and I am truly, truly sorry. I take full responsibility. Thank you.
3: Thank you, Ms. Helman.
10: We would just humbly and respectfully ask that the board consider that she has served over 21 years and deservedly so. Her actions were were horrible. Um, She is obviously a very um, sick woman. She deserved the time that she she received. She made the most of that time. She did not go in resisting. she embraced the entire rehabilitation process if you look at the the goals for incarceration which are punishment truly she, you know, she has been punished uh, if you look at deterrence um, every report that's in this packet says she's a lotus a recidivism in every um, correction officer uh, captain that i spoke with and they have written reports on her behalf have all been in her favor even to the extent of um, captain atkinson saying that she would allow her to live in her home in utah um, we would just request that you follow the recommendation of the department of corrections to grant her parole recognizing that even if this request is granted it is still just an opportunity to appear before the parole board that does not mean she would be paroled and certainly our experience is that um, you're not necessarily granted parole the first time you make the board all we're requesting is that she have the opportunity to present herself to the parole board we thank you for the opportunity
3: thank you very much
6: is Go, there a motion before you, the board?
9: governor i'm going to make a motion in a minute and usually i agree with the recommendations from the department of corrections i can't hear uh Ms. Johnson, I appreciate it. But here, this is a murder for greed. I mean, just to get money. Unfortunately, I know my colleagues have done a lot of murder trials. I probably did about 15 of them in district court. And this is as bad as I've seen here. I mean, this is something plotting with people. You got a group of people to torture this man, hold guns on him, force him to write checks uh, just to steal. I mean, this is outrageous. You know, sometimes the life without possibility of parole is appropriate. Sometimes this was so many aggravators here, this might have been a death penalty case. Have been appropriate for that. So I, I can't support it. So I, to move things along, I'll make a motion to deny the uh, uh, request for
3: pardon from Ms. Hillman. I'll second the motion. Justice, Good. Justice Good. Gibbons has made a motion to deny, seconded by Justice uh, paragary Is there any question or comment by a member of the Board with regard to the motion? Hearing none, Mr.
4: Secretary, please call the roll. Justice Seda? Yes. Justice Cherry? Yes. Justice Peregari? Yes. Justice Hardesty? Yes. Chief Justice Gibbons? Yes. Attorney General Masto? Yes. Governor Gibbons? Yes. Motion carries.
6: Sorry.
7: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
2: Dearly beloved,
9: we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
11: Sorry.